Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. It's election day in Chicago. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. After all the debates, TV ads, and political jabs, we have reached the final day for Chicago voters to make their choice for mayor, city council, and more. To get up to speed, we are speaking with Tessa Weinberg. She covers city government and politics for WBEZ. What's the latest in the mayoral race? Has anything changed with the nine candidates on the ballot? You know, I think candidates, they were blanketing the city this weekend, really trying to do that final push of getting their message out, make that last minute push to voters. Um, You know, I think it's still really up in the air. We do have some, at least, you know, according to polling that WBZ did with our partners earlier this month, there do seem to be, you know, a handful of front runners, um, like former Chicago Public School CEO Paul Vallis, Mm -hmm. Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia, of course, Mayor Lightfoot. Um, and then, you know, County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. And I wouldn't count business and Willie Wilson out. Um, but, you know, I think that it's a lot that remains unknown. It's a tough reelection battle for Lightfoot. And I think we're not going to really know until we start to see those vote counts come in tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely the race has been heating up. We've yeah. definitely seen candidates on the attack. And those have definitely been, I think, ramping up in the final week. Yeah, let's talk about it. And of the names that you just mentioned, polls overall, they're placing really four top candidates, right? And mm-hmm. that's incumbent Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, former Chicago Public School CEO Paul Vallis, and Congressman Chewy Garcia. How far ahead are they polling when it compares to the other five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely, are, I think, are clear front runners. Okay. You know, when it comes to some of the polls, um, like one WBZ did earlier this month, you know, they're reaching maybe in the close to 20 percent range. Um, but, you know, that was a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, more stories have come out since then, you know. Uh, voters have probably been more educated. So I think it remains to be seen how things change. But, you know, with such a wide field of nine candidates, I think, you know, experts have really stressed, you know, even a few, even if you only win a few percentage of the vote, that could be thousands of votes and could really, Mm -hmm. you know, pull votes away or make the difference. Um, And we've seen that there's been um, a high number so far, at least, of mail-in ballots that have come back and lots of early voting. And so the Board of Elections is even stressed, you know, we may not know immediately if it is really close the night of. And so uh, I think that all kind of remains to be seen of how that might sway things if it, if it is a really, really tight race for that second spot. And, and when was the last time that an incumbent mayor was not reelected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if Mayor Lightfoot does not, um, you know, win, you know, re-election or, you know, make it to the runoff, it would be the I first mean, that's time. that's a huge deal. Yeah, it'd be the first time uh, since Jane Byrne that an elected mayor has not, um, you know, earned a second term. And Jane Byrne was, you know, the city's first woman mayor, um, which I think is an interesting context with Lightfoot, um, you know, being the first black woman and first openly gay um, mayor of Chicago. And so I think those kind of historical um, you know, comparisons aren't, aren't really lost on us. Um, but yeah, it would be a big deal. And runoffs in general are still kind of a, a new thing for Chicago. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it'll be exciting to see how this all plays out. We hear a lot, you know, about um, individuals or, or publications endorsing candidates, right? But which of this year's mayoral candidates has an endorsement that matters? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think for the average voter, I, I think it depends on, you know, how keyed in they maybe are to the race to see. Um, you know, there are some, I think, notable ones that have become kind of, you know, touch I mean, points. Brandon in the Johnson's we've talked about over mm-hmm. and over, right, with the CTU. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
And I'm also, you know, Paul Vallis is endorsed uh, by the FOP. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we've increasingly, that's been a line he's had to walk, especially in the last, you know, weeks. Um, you know, the police union invited uh, Republican uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to speak. And I think that was definitely an example of a moment where he had to, um, you know, he said he was disappointed in the union leadership for inviting DeSantis and that, you know, he was really stressing DeSantis's record is not in line with my values. Um, and so I think that's been interesting to see how he's had to walk that line. I know, um, you know, Johnson has faced questions um, from some opponents of, you know, how impartial he could be, you know, presiding over the, um, you know, CPS when he's endorsed by the CTU. Right. He's also got an endorsement from Anjanette Young, which was, you know, a major incident during Lightfoot's tenure. Um, and we've also seen some, you know, of the um, other candidates like Willie Wilson. He's, you know, I think historically his base of support has been on the south and west sides. He's, you know, earned endorsements from, um, you know, Romanian groups and Polish groups. And so mm. I think candidates I mean, are they all really sound hard. important now that yeah. <laughs> you've laid it out for us. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, uh, Tessa, the last ditch attempts that folks are making. Can you tell us more about that? Trying to get more votes before Election Day. What have we been seeing? Yeah, I think it's been interesting in the final weeks. I think, you know, racial politics have really come to the fore, um, you know, Lightfoot took a little bit of heat a couple weeks weekends ago for at a rally on the South Side saying, you know, any com- vote can be on the South Side for someone not named Lightfoot is for Garcia or Vallis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but along the lines of, you know, if you want them controlling your fate, then stay home, don't vote. You know, she since has, you know, said she misspoke and, and walked back those comments. But I think especially in the debates, we've seen candidates really, you know, jockeying to say, you know, in a city that is a third, you know, uh, made up a third roughly of white residents, Latino residents and black residents trying to pitch that I am the one most connected to the black community or that can represent the black community and really have been on the attack of each other of trying to show that, you know, I am the one who you should choose in that regard. And, um, you know, I think there has been some, you know, comments from some of the candidates saying that, you know, the need to for the black community to coalesce around one black candidate is kind of a racist trope that they don't think that's accurate. Um, and I think some experts I've talked to, too, have said it's it's more than just race and the, the way ideology also plays a role. Um, you know, for example, this time around, um, Paul Vallis and Willie Wilson are really kind of running to the, the right of Lightfoot. And so there's a kind of more wide open lane in the more conservative candidates compared mm-hmm. to many more jockeying for the progressive vote. Um, and so I think that changes the dynamic, too. And so um, I think we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, even just whoever makes it to the runoff really pitching that. I am the coalition builder and I can, you know, get outside of my base of Mm co-ethnic support. I can bring everyone together. Yeah, Mm -hmm, definitely. And as we heard earlier in that clip, Tessa, polls, some polls, they're showing that 19 percent of voters, they're still undecided. Mm -hmm. That's a huge number Mm -hmm, the day before Election Day. What do you think will make the difference in getting people's votes? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of different advocacy groups and experts have really, you know, pointed to seeing uh, what candidates ground game really is look like and that for some of these communities, especially um, like the Latino community, that tends to be underrepresented in terms of turnout that, you know, how well candidates were able to just turn out the vote and get out the vote maybe could make that difference. Um, so I think that's one aspect um, that I'll be looking to see. And um, it is a big number of undecideds. You know, so far, the early voting and mail and ballots were it seems like people are engaged. Yeah, a lot of people um, have come out. But. Yeah, so I think we'll see how that, that compares to previous elections once we, we get those totals in. So, yeah. Tessa Weinberg covers city government and politics for WBEZ. Thanks for the update, Tessa. Yeah, thanks so much.
All right. Speaking of election sites, WBEZ's data reporter Amy Chin has been looking into obstacles Chicagoans with disabilities are facing when they try to cast their vote. And she joins us now with more. Hey, Amy. Hey, Sasha. So, Amy, I've, I've read your reporting. I'm, I'm actually really shocked that most of Chicago's Election Day polling sites don't fully comply with the Americans with Disabilities Act. So first, just remind us what the standards are. Yeah, so it's actually quite a long list, but it's basically a set of minimum standards for buildings to be accessible for people with disabilities. So that can include um, making sure that the polling place doesn't have steps or um, not having like a sloped corridor that's too steep um, or making sure that um, doorways are a certain minimum width. Wow. And so here we're talking about one third of polling sites that do follow the standards, just one third, right? Yep. Where did you find the data? Yeah, so it's publicly available on the Board of Elections website, um, and they basically have a list of all 930 polling places in Chicago and what level of accessibility they are. So I just took a look at the data, and um, yeah, it's 36% of polling places are uh, fully compliant with the ADA. Uh, What does accessibility look like in different wards? Do some wards have maybe significantly higher or lower rates of compliance? Yeah, so there's a pretty big disparity um, when you look at the city in terms of the geography of the city. Um, Some wards, like you said, the 43rd Ward, uh, which covers parts of Lincoln Park, um, over 70 percent of the polling places in that ward are fully ADA compliant, whereas the 33rd Ward in the northwest side, um, there's only one fully ADA compliant polling place for the entire ward. So there's pretty big geographic disparities, but um, you know, overall, the rate is a third for the entire city. So how can voters report whether their polling locations are fully ADA compliant? Yeah, so they can visit the Board of Elections website under voting. There's a drop down menu for accessibility. And there you can pull up um, a list of all polling places by precinct and ward and look up your your specific polling place. Um, and there it'll tell you if it's high, medium or low accessibility. So high means that it's totally compliant with the ADA. There's nothing to worry about. Medium means that there's no steps, but there are maybe some obstacles for some voters with disabilities. And then low or no means it's either not accessible at at all or there's at least one kind of feature that is substantially out of compliance. So glad we have you looking at all these these numbers. Amy Chin's our data reporter here at WBEZ. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab and Meha Ahmed. Be sure you are subscribed to our podcast to get our post-election analysis after those results roll in. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.